Good morning. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. I'm Pastor Aaron, and I'm glad that you're with us today. And a special happy Mother's Day to all of our moms that are here. Generational, transformational discipleship begins with you. And so we celebrate you, and we're grateful for the great work of the moms that we do have. And uh, this week is obviously we celebrate moms in the beginning of life. Of course, it was a pretty hard week for our church as uh, obviously we had to look at the other side of it. And two of our wonderful members were taken home to glory. And so uh, with Bert there early in the week and with Mike later in the week, uh, it's been hard. And I think over this last uh, Last week, I've cried more than I think I would in a normal year, and so, uh, and yet, turning back to God in the midst of that, and uh, so if I tear up through this, that's just grief, just the way it works, um, I'm grieving along with you, uh, so you're going to have to deal, um, but I, I want you to know that it was a year ago that God put this series into my heart and into the heart of the our staff, as we prayed about what God would want us to have at just the right time. Serious so talking about perspective, finding God's purpose in the big picture, actually, to see, uh, answer those big questions that we have. Because I don't know about you, but I've been asking questions with God, and I know the answers, but we still ask them. No, why, God? <laughs> What's the whole point? Why would you put the tree in the garden if you knew that people were going to sin? Why not just zap us to heaven the moment we're saved, right? Or give your people eternal life. Big questions, right? What is the purpose of life on this earth? Thank you. You're so good. That's what we're going to be talking about. In fact, we're going to be taking some perspective. And the reason we did that is, is that perspective, you know, we, it, it, it helps us to see the world as it actually is. Because sometimes what the world appears at first glance isn't the way that it is right and we find that even in scripture that context is key i found this picture on the internet a while ago and it blew my mind until i realized i was looking at a pond right you see when we gain perspective it helps us to make sense of the bizarre (laughs) right and i think this world has been a little bit bizarre And it makes us wonder what's going on, but when we take a step back and we actually see what's going on, it makes better sense. And that's what we'll be doing this week, the next three weeks. And so as we begin this series, we talk about today, what's the the purpose of life on earth? Next week, what's the purpose of heaven and earth? And then in three weeks from now, what's the purpose of the new heaven, new earth? And trust me, you don't want to miss that. That is, what God is doing is awesome. The series we have this this memory verse, which was picked out a long time ago, but how poignant for today. So here we go. Just say it along with me a few times, and we'll get to the message. Three, two, one. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans eight twenty eight again. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. One more time, and then we'll go test ourselves. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, 
who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28, last time. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. You may. <laughs> yeah, God is at work. And Scott, on your memory, on your connection card, there is a Bible memory verse just for all of us. If you want to take that and to think about it, meditate on it, because it's true, isn't it? Isn't it awesome how God works? Let's talk, what's the purpose of life on this earth? Why are we here, right? Why would God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, right? Why would God have allowed wickedness and brokenness into this earth? Did God mess up? Was it like he created this world and somehow there was a mistake and now he had to come in Christ and somehow fix it? Well, I think you'll be happy to find that actually our God is much bigger than that. So the purpose on life on earth is purification, right? I want you to think of it like a water filter. Have you ever seen one of those? You have one of those water? We don't have to have them in Estes because we have beautiful water. But people who live downstream from us buy these so they can drink water without it being horrible. And what you'll put in the top of it is tap water, which looks the same as what comes out the bottom, right? But in between the top and the bottom, there is a massive difference, especially if you live in Kansas, right? It may look the same, but it's not the same. There's this filter in between that traps all the impurities, so what comes out from the bottom is perfectly pure. And that is what God designed this world to be. Jesus alludes to this in Matthew 7. He says to, his, to the people, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. All people on earth, all of us, every human, passes through the filter of this world. And most people get trapped in the filter. Most get trapped on the road to destruction. And only those who make it through the gate will remain. And the theme then of purification in this world is, well, it's separation, right? Like from the, from the beginning of the Old Testament uh, through the New Testament, we, we find that there is this, this process of purification that God is putting us through in Scripture. And so we see that that separation is the process by which God purifies us in Scripture from beginning to end. Now, at the beginning, good and evil are all mixed, right? Just like the, the clear tap water that, that we put in the top of the filter. That you put it in and the good things are in there mixed together with the bad things. And God is beginning, as we live this life, to separate it all out. He does that in Scripture, this, this theme of separation we see all the way through. One of the ways that we see it pretty profoundly from beginning to end is, is the theme of separating light from darkness, which is a very big theme as you work through Scripture. In fact, separating light from darkness was the very first act of creation, right? God said, let there be light, and then we read in Genesis 1-4 that God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. In his first act of creation, it was a foreshadowing of what God was doing through the rest of creation. And what he did physically in creation, he has been doing spiritually throughout the rest of this creation. 
He's been separating light from darkness. He's still doing it today, which is why in 1 Peter 2, we read that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, which means set apart, different, that God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you, what? Out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That God is pulling us out of the darkness. There's a purification, a separation that God is doing with his people. And just as God is separating light from darkness, we are called to do the same. He's doing that inside of us. That's why we read in 2 Corinthians, it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And get this, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? There's a separation, a purification that is happening right now that God is calling us to, which is why three verses later we read this. If my verse will go, therefore come out from them and be separate. Says the Lord, touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. That God is, is doing this work just as much as he's separating a purified people, he's purifying his people in these days. And it's another way, we see light and darkness is a very big theme throughout Scripture. Another one is wheat from chaff, right? Because the, the, the Israeli people, the Jewish people, were an agrarian society. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why God uses this very practical illustration for them to see what he is doing. And so from Old Testament to New Testament, we see how God separates the wheat from the chaff over and over and over again. In fact, there's a parable that Jesus tells that references back to this. It's a parable of the good and the bad seeds. We find about in, in, in Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus, as he tells this parable, he says this, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who goes out into his field and sows good seed. And then at night, his enemy comes and wants to mess things up and sows weeds in the same field. And as they start to grow, the farmer's servants recognize that there are weeds that are also sown in. And they ask the master, what are we to do? And he said, well, let them all grow up together. And then at harvest time, I want you to go out and I want you to gather up all of the weeds, bundle them together and burn them in the fire. And then we will have, we will have the, the harvest. And later, like many of you, because I can see in your faces, the, the apostles, they came to Jesus, and they're like, what on earth are you talking about? And so we read, then Jesus gives this explanation. His disciples came to him and said, explain this parable of the weeds of the fields. And he said, the weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy is the one who sows them, is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will be thrown into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The point is this, that God is purifying his people, right? Through this life, there's gonna, we are in the process of growing. There is a, there's a process of separation that God is doing in the midst of this life. Light from darkness, wheat from chaff, sheep from goats, child from enemy, saved 
from condemned. There are only two options as we make it through. You're going to be trapped by the filter or you will make it through the process and be purified. So what is the filter? Right? I mean, really, we have to say, what is this that God is, is processing us through? Right? If we, uh, we want to make it through this other side, what is the test? And you can tell a filter by what's being filtered out, right? On, on, a, on a water filter that you put tap water in, what is it filtering? Well, chlorine and fluoride and other kinds of things. That's what it's trapping out. What is God filtering out in this life? And we could say, what actually passes through? And it's not typically what you would think of when you say the purpose of life is purification, right? It's not religion, right? Because Jesus said, many will come to me on the last day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things that we wanted to do in your name? It's not the fact that, that you were just a religious person. That's not the thing that, that Jesus even said in Matthew uh, 3. He said, you know what? I could make people of the kingdom of Israel out of rocks if I wanted to. That's not what the filter is. It's not being born in the right home or going to the right church. It's not going to be the test. And the test isn't this. It's not morality. Right? It's not, were you good enough? Because most people get tripped up by this. They think what God is wanting from us in this life are to be a good, moral people. And they think so long as we're moral, then our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. We're going to make it through. But are there sinners in heaven? Heaven's going to be filled with people like me and you. Praise God. The test is not our morality. So what is it? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 give us a clue. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. What is the filter? What's the difference between heaven and hell? It's faith. See, God created us in this world in which he knew there would be sin. In fact, I believe that God specifically created a world where there would be the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so that we could be tested by faith. We have to pass through this. And God is not evil in doing this. And we're going to talk about in the bigger picture as we move to the purpose of heaven and, and earth as well as the new heaven, new earth, why this is so incredible. But at right now, in this life, recognize, well, thing that God is looking for, what does he want? Is faith. Heaven will be filled with people who have sinned. Heaven will be filled with people who are imperfect. Heaven will be filled with people who may have wasted most of their life. Even Jesus said, don't do that. You don't want to get to heaven like a guy who's naked and smells like smoke, but at least you'll be there. But don't live like that, but you'll be there. You'll make it through, right? And how do you make it through? Faith. The world filters out the unfaithful. That's the point of it. And the sooner we can get this, the quicker we can understand why the world is the way that it is. You know, if Scripture says in Romans 1 that from first to last, this is the way it's always worked, that God's righteous people were saved by faith. Right? Think about Abraham. How was he credited righteous to him? Faith. How about Noah? Faith to build a boat. How about the people of Israel? 
the faith enough to be circumcised and to follow the law. How about you and me? The faith to worship Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The test of separation is faith. So how do you pass the test? How do you make it from this side, the top of the filter, which we are going through it right now, and make it through? Because I'll tell you this, that not all faith works. Not all faith will get you through the filter. There's a lot of bad faith out there. In fact, faith in false gods is a really common way that people try to have faith. But they're not going to make it. If you doubt me, check the first commandment. The very first thing that God says he's filtering out are all of those who are idolaters, who worship the wrong gods. So faith is important, but it's got to be the right kind of faith. So what's the right kind of faith? Let's go back to the essentials. As Christians, we have the essentials. This is what makes us Christian. From our church to the Catholics to, to the Episcopals to the Baptists to the Methodists to everybody. We all agree on this. We are saved by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. That's the difference between heaven and hell. There's no one in hell that has said, you know what, I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Not one. And there is no one in heaven who is there who would say, we have no faith that Jesus is God and Savior. That's the essential. So our faith has to have the right object. It's got to be in Christ. It's got to have the right subject. He is both Lord and Savior. We say Lord, it means we understand he is God. And he is the right now to help direct our lives. It's his way, not our way. He is now boss in control because he is God. He is authority, Savior. He is, he is the Messiah that Jesus, uh, he's the Messiah that God from the beginning planned to send. He is the authorized one to save us. And our, ho- our hope and our faith have must be in him. So we have to have the right object and subject to our faith. That's the faith that gets us through, but that's not all. In James, we find out that, that our faith also has to have the right expression. Right? In James 2, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? And he goes on to explain why that would be ridiculous. And he says, as a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And this verse has tripped up so many people through all this time. And and it shouldn't be. But I want to say, just as workless faith is dead, so are faithless works. Right? You can be a Christian who who has, has a very small expression of faith and be saved. But you could also be a pagan who does all the right things and not be saved. Is it possible for a pagan to come and to say the magic words, I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but they have no faith? Will such a phrase save them? No, because faith is the test. But as a Christian, when we say Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that has great power. Because Jesus said, if you testify me before men, I will testify with you before the Father. We have repentance. Is it possible for a pagan to look at the scriptures and say, this way of life makes sense, and to actually live it, to live it perfectly? You know what? We have an answer. There was a guy that Jesus met. He was a rich, he was young, he was a powerful ruler. And he came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to pass the test? Right? And Jesus said, well, what would you say? Like, are you passing the law? And he's like, yes, I've, I've obeyed all of the law. I do all of these things. But he didn't have faith. 
And Jesus says, what you need to do is you need to follow me. You need to sell your stuff. You need to, you need to put me first, Lord and Savior. And that rich young ruler, though he did all the right things, missed the point. Which is what made Jesus say, you know what, it's so hard for those who have so much to enter the kingdom. Because we cling to the wrong things instead of clinging to Christ. And so faith in Christ has got to be a motivator for how we live. When we believe, when we confess, when we repent, when we're baptized. Do you think there's something magic about water? How about as we're discipled? As you grow in Christ, is it an expression of faith that you're trusting that God is a different and a better way? Are you growing in him? The focus on this passage and all of scriptures is not just on the work. It's on the face of the work, and we have a word from that. It's faithfulness. To the test of faith is faithfulness. God doesn't just want us to have a bunch of faith people in heaven. That's not the goal. Why? In heaven, are you going to need faith? Romans says no. Right? Why do we want to need faith in heaven? Because we're going to see God. You don't need faith there. So why would that be the filter? Because God's not looking for faith. He's looking for faithfulness. And the means to faithfulness is through faith. Faithfulness even just means to be filled with faith. So it, it, it permeates our thoughts and our actions and our beliefs and our motivations. It becomes the, the foundation upon everything else that we live upon. It's what makes us loyal to God. John 14, Jesus even says, talks about, he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. We're not saved because we obey Christ's teachings. But as an expression of faith, this is repentance, right? We begin to follow God. We express faith through faithfulness. This is the way it was designed. And this is how Jesus told us to follow him. So many times in life, I wonder, why, God, did you allow there to be such brokenness? Why, God, would you allow us to endure as your people such difficulty, such hardship, such pain? And we see it in Scripture, don't we? It's us. Look what happened to the prophets. Did they all have, like, wonderful retirements? No, they had very brief retirements. Right? Look at the apostles. I mean, really objectively, if you are a pagan and you look at those who follow Jesus and you think this world is all there is, you probably wouldn't follow Jesus because he even promised in this world you're going to have trouble. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be times in our life when our faith is put to the test and constantly as his people, once we come to him, daily we have to pick up our cross Daily. Why? Does God just like our suffering? No. God is calling us to something different, a different way of life. He is purifying us now. He is purifying out of humanity a purified people, a people who are faithful to him. But he's not just purifying the world around us and purifying us out. He's purifying from us the faithlessness that is causing such pain and brokenness. These are the things that aren't going to get carried on into the next life. 
Bert and Mike are experiencing a purified place. Think about that. We're going to talk about that next week, which is kind of fun. And what God is doing in the heaven and the earth and why he would create them. But for us today, how do we apply? Well, the purpose on life on earth is purification. Understand it. It's not for you to be a good person. It's not for you to somehow please God by doing all the right things, not to wear yourself out by somehow doing some kind of song and dance to try to just make God happy. What God wants from you is faithfulness. He's saving for himself a purified people, and trust me, you want to live in a society of purified people. It's worth the filter. It's worth the time. God has created a world perfectly designed to do exactly what it is doing. And we're going to talk about why Scripture teaches God is doing this in the next two weeks. There is a reason for this filter. There is something amazing that God is up to. But for now, let us choose faith. Let us be faithful. And how do you do that? On your connection cards, as always, I give you some next steps. Things is, it, the reasons I give you those next steps is not to give you busy work, like holy busy work or something like that. I'm not grading these things. What I want you to do is to walk closer to Jesus. I want you to understand how to invite God into your life. And by faith, trust that he's doing more than you can see. So we can trust him so our very lives can be walks of faithfulness. So that in our doubt, we, do, we can still believe. We can still trust him. In the midst of the pain, when the world doesn't make sense, we have the perspective that God is doing something bigger. And trust him in that. And so we don't get distracted and go off on our own, living temporary lives full of faithless works. So there are some things that I'm encouraging you to do. The first would be to memorize Romans 8.28. You need to know that this world isn't always going to be easy, but that God is working all things together for the good of whom? Those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So love God and be called according to his purpose. Be faithful. Trust God that his good work is happening. Something you might want to do is read Matthew 13. There's a parable that I shared. Spend some time in that parable because you're in that and so am I. Or maybe for you this week, it's to have that good work of recommitting to faithfulness. In your life, it's not, it's not the, the things that you're doing is so important, but why are you doing it? Why are you living the life you're living? Have you invited Jesus not just to be your Lord, your Savior, but also the Lord of your life? Are you following what He is calling you to do? This is the purpose. Can you trust him in the things that he's called you to so you can live the kingdom life now? Can you allow God to begin that work of purification in you? And so recommit to that because it's hard. And every one of us gets tripped up a little bit in the filter, don't we? We tumble through it. So sometimes it's good to remember to let God do his good work in us. Something else I'm going to challenge you to do is attend the next two weeks. Really, without a bigger picture of why God is filtering us through this world and is requiring faith, right? What well, he's looking for faithfulness. If we just look at that, it can be kind of confusing. I think you need to step back a little further to see the biggest picture, what God is doing. And these next two weeks, we're talking about it. And once we go through that, trust me, it is the most incredible thing when you see what God reveals in Scripture, what he is building us into and what he's building us for. 
You don't want me to miss that. It will grow faith, and it'll help us to live faithful lives. So maybe you commit to that. I've given you all a lot. I hope I've given you some just small steps to take this week. Let's do that together. At the end of the message, take your connection card with your commitments, your ah, offerings and tithes, drop them in that back, uh, box in the back. But more than that, let us commit ourselves to God as we live this week in faith to our Lord. Let me pray for us. Father God, in the hard times, Lord, it's sometimes difficult to see you, but then sometimes it's more easy to see you because in darkness, the light shines. Father, I'm grateful that you are, you, you're not creating an eternal kingdom that's like this world. But Father, that you are calling us and creating us into something so much more glorious. That you've called us for and to something so much more glorious. Lord, I pray a blessing over those here today. A blessing of comfort and of peace and of trust. God, as we look to you, as we take our pain to you, as we follow you, Lord, as we look to you, may we have eyes of faith. And may the the actions and the motivations of our heart and our deeds be one that is just to follow your goodness, to trust you in this life. Lord, I pray as we make these commitments and as we, we do these things this week, it wouldn't be faithless works, but Father, that faith would come alive in and through this body and that we could bring you glory for you deserve it. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus who saves us. Amen.